It's time for a more in-depth look at today's news. It's time to find out who's pulling the strings. It's time for the Behind the Curtain podcast with your host, author Jeff Reynolds. Welcome into episode eight of the Behind the Curtain podcast with Jeff Reynolds. This week's episode features two guests who have made national news by standing up to the public sector unions. Both guests dovetail with my book, Behind the Curtain, because they examine the tactics and funding of the extreme left that few people get to see. By taking on the powerful and corrupt public sector unions, they expose themselves to all manners of bullying, abuse, and intimidation. My first guest is Rebecca Friedrichs, a teacher with a 28-year teaching career in California. Rebecca recently published a book about her experiences fighting the California teachers' unions that saw her come to the very brink of going down in Supreme Court history before the unfortunate early demise of Justice Antonin Scalia. The book relays Rebecca's testimony, along with the testimony of over 50 teachers that she interviewed to give a broad look at how teachers' unions betray their members. It's called Standing Up to Goliath, Battling State and National Teachers' Unions for the Heart and Soul of Our Kids and Country. It's available on Amazon now. Rebecca also talks to me about why she founded Four Kids in Country, a nonprofit website that provides resources to teachers nationwide in a post Janus world on how to escape their union. It also provides resources for parents to opt out of radical sex education curriculums being pushed for kids at ever younger ages. The website is fourkidsandcountry.org. Rebecca also recorded a bonus segment exclusively for our Patreon patrons. She goes into greater depth about how her union bullied her at every turn, what their true motivations are, and what she's doing now to help teachers all over the country fight back. Subscribers get access to this kind of exclusive material and many other features. Check it out at patreon.com slash behind the curtain with Jeff Reynolds. My second guest is Aaron With, Oregon director of the Freedom Foundation. Aaron and I discuss what's going on in Salem and how the unions are pushing blatantly unconstitutional bills to protect their revenue flow in a post-Janus world. He talks about how the Freedom Foundation will fight these affronts to a free society. Seriously, folks, you won't believe how brazen the unions have been in their attempts to get their Democratic friends to do their bidding in this legislative session. Don't forget to subscribe to the Behind the Curtain podcast wherever you listen to it, and please leave a positive rating. The more subscribers and the better ratings, the higher Behind the Curtain will rank on podcast services like iTunes and Google Podcasts, among many others. I'm happy to report that my book continues to generate buzz. It's called Behind the Curtain, Inside the Network of Progressive Billionaires and Their Campaign to Undermine Democracy. This weekend, I'll be signing copies and hosting a cigar happy hour at the Dorchester Conference, which is being held in Welch's, Oregon this year. Search for the book in stores or online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Simon & Schuster. It's available in hardback, Kindle, or Nook now. Welcome into the Behind the Curtain podcast with Jeff Reynolds. My guest today is Rebecca Friedrichs of Supreme Court fame. Uh, she was the one of the plaintiffs in a uh, uh, lawsuit against the California Teachers Association to uh, uh, stop forced union dues, and uh, she is also she's uh, formed this new organization called For Kids in Country, which is uh, forkidsandcountry.com. Rebecca, welcome in. Thanks for uh, being with me today. Thanks for having me, and it's .org. For kids oh, excuse me. I apologize. Dot, dot .org. Right. No problem. <laughs> My bad. Okay, so forkidsandcountry.org. I apologize. .org. Okay. 
So uh, I think, yeah, we've emphasized that so it'll actually stick with people. So exactly. <laughs> Thanks for making the mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So Rebecca is on location from Palm Springs today, and uh, we're uh, shooting video to uh, put up at our uh, YouTube page and our uh, Patreon page. So uh, this will be an extra bonus for everybody, and uh, we can see uh, Rebecca's smiling face as she describes all of the horrors she faced uh, taking on the teachers' unions. <laughs> Yes, I try to smile. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so this is the book. It's uh, Rebecca. It's uh, Standing Up to Goliath. It's uh, all about her uh, experiences taking on the Teachers Association. And I, I started diving into the book a little bit. I haven't finished it yet, but um, it's it's a really compelling read. Uh, tell me what your motivation was. You were a teacher for 28 years, and you had issues with the union. Uh, what What happened there? Well, from day one, from when I, I was a student teacher, 22 years old, mm -hmm. I was learning how to teach from this incredible master teacher. I mean, she just, she loved the kids, and they learned so much in her classroom. But next door to us was this woman who would grab the kids, she'd yank them, she'd get right into their little faces and scream at them, especially the wiggly little boys. These little kids were six years old. They oh came God. up to her waistline, and I asked my master teacher, you know, I'm learning about uh, how to uh, report child abuse, and I think I see some next door, and it's the teacher. Because you're a mandatory teacher. reporter, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my master teacher sat me down and said, Rebecca, today's the day you learn about teachers' unions. <laughs> and um, I learned about teacher tenure, and mm -hmm. I learned that this teacher was being defended by the teachers unions and I've since learned that it's not only tenure but it's collectively bargained grievance procedures that protect abusive teachers in the classroom that teacher continued to teach until she chose to retire Wow first grade I, I don't know how many children were abused by her but I thought that was wrong and and I have since watched as great teachers have lost their jobs, have been harassed by administrators and, and fired when they did nothing wrong. It's, it's all backwards, it's upside down. Good is evil and evil is good. And it's all the, pro the fault of the teachers union. So that's how I got into this battle. Okay, so the, this battle uh, reached all the way to the Supreme Court, uh, and uh, all of us, a lot of us, were watching from the sidelines and cheering you on as uh, as you got there. And, and 2016, and it was uh, the the most devastating gut punch when uh, Antonin Scalia uh, passed away unexpectedly and left you with a, a hung uh, a hung court, right? Yeah, yeah, a yeah. gut punch is the perfect description of how we felt. Uh, we, our case was heard January 11th, 2016, and everyone, everyone knew, everyone, you know, who was watching the court at all knew that we were going to win with a five to four decision. Even the New York Times admitted that. Yeah. And one month later, Justice Scalia died. I, I'm standing in my bedroom getting ready to celebrate Valentine's Day with my husband, and we were just going to go out down to a pier and have some lunch and enjoy the day and breaking news mm. is how I learned about Justice Scalia's death and sure enough we a dead person's vote doesn't count so we right. lost his vote and we received a four to four tie and you know we we asked the court to rehear our case once there would be a full, a full complement of justices 
but they denied that request on my birthday that year. Oh, my goodness. So that was devastating, too. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and if I remember right from the book, uh, you were you had a party the night before uh, he passed, right? Uh, you were celebrating your pending victory. Yes, we were. Uh, oh, yeah. we that party was... You know, it wasn't even technically a party for our case. It was just a gathering that we had been invited to attend, and everyone there was thrilled. They were just hugging my husband and me and giving us high fives. People were just on cloud nine. Yeah. So yeah. happy to know that children were finally going to have half a chance to succeed in our schools because we were finally going to be able to do something to lessen the strength uh, and the abuse of uh, teachers' unions. Yeah, so talk about that. Uh, the, the case itself, what, what were you challenging? So we were challenging forced unionism. In the 1970s, there was a case called Abood versus Detroit Board of Education. A teacher like myself, Mr. Abood, said, look, it's not right that you're forcing all of us teachers to fund unions. Um, so he took a case to the court. He lost in 1977. The court decided, oh, we're going to make a um, an exception here. We're going to force everyone to be in these unions, and we're going to force you to fund them. But oh, we'll we'll let the unions decide how much of that money is being used for politics and how much is being used for negotiations. And so we'll let the unions decide how much you don't have to pay if you don't want to fund the politics. So that started this whole complex, purposely confusing angry, abusive, um, uh, just the way the unions ran things, where if we wanted to avoid paying the uh, politics, we had to do something called opt out and become agency fee payers. The problem with that was we only avoided paying a very small amount of the dues, which have gotten up to, in some cases, $1,400, $1,500 a year. So maybe you could save a couple hundred dollars a year toward the dues. But the problem was it was the unions who decided what was, po what was political and what wasn't political. Yeah. And our argument was, look, it's all political because collective bargaining in the public sector is political. You're right. asking for taxpayer money. Maybe a road doesn't get fixed. Maybe, I don't know, the, the community doesn't get a bridge they need built because the money's going to go to this to the teachers. So we argued that it's all political. And our argument was teachers should be able to decide for ourselves without fear or coercion whether or not to fund unions. And it was all based on our First Amendment right to freedom of speech and freedom of association. And that's the thing, right? It's, it's the freedom of association that really gets to me because they're forcing you to fund politics that you don't agree with. Exactly. And, and not only that, it's not just the politics. What the teachers unions have done to our schools is unconscionable. The only reason we don't have school choice, teachers unions are fighting it with hundreds of millions of teacher dollars. Hmm. And, con and convincing teachers that school choice is a bad thing. Teachers want choice for their own kids. But then the unions are telling them, oh, oh, no, it's bad to have it for other kids and, and creating all this confusion and just outright lies. Um, they have undermined our schools in so many ways. Here in California, we now have this horrific sex ed curriculum. There's three chapters on it in the book where we are. I don't even think I can say it on this podcast. Because <laughs> Probably not because I said the, to clean filters. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. in every radio show or TV program I'm on, they warn me ahead of time. Oh, hey, you know that stuff that's in your book? You can't say that on on, on the air or, right. or we'll get in trouble from the FCC, but 
hold the phone. We're saying it to elementary school kids in our classrooms. Right. Great teachers would never do that, but the teachers unions made sure to write these laws with their friends, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, Planned Parenthood, all these far left players. They wrote these laws that if teachers won't teach it because they knew we wouldn't, then experts can come in and teach it and oh. abuse the kids. Oh. So every single problem we have in our schools, I can help you connect back to the teachers unions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good friends with uh, Kira Davis of the Smart Girl Politics podcast, yeah. um, and she was leading this fight a couple of weeks ago. There was a big protest in yep. Sacramento, and yeah, yep. it, uh, it, it's disgusting what they're trying to push. Yes, and those parents, I, I'm friends with all those parents Kira uh, was working with up there, and I got to tell you, these parents and many teachers have been going to multiple school board meetings all across the state saying, look, this is abusive. We don't want our children to be sexualized like this. Teach right. them the three R's. And we are abused by teachers unions who bring in their activists mm -hmm. and, and actually attack these parents and attack good teachers like me and call us radical right-wingers and haters and all this other stuff just because we want to protect children. Right. Yeah. And there's something really perverse about the sexualiz sexualization uh, in a lot of different things on the left that uh, they're trying to push into the uh, children. It, it's almost a coordinated effort. It's, it's kind of weird. It's not almost a coordinated effort. <laughs> it is a coordinated effort. And I read about it in teacher union documents. And I have girlfriends who have, as teachers, who have tried uh, to serve at the national level of the National Education Association and at state levels, like I served at the California Teachers Association level. Well, I served at my local level, but I went to these uh, state level meetings. And every time we've tried to push back against this radical sex, uh, sex ed education, including um, telling children that, look, when you were born, your parents didn't know your gender, they assigned you a gender, and really there's a spectrum of 30, 40, 50, ever-growing number of genders, totally confusing these children and lying to them. Their parents knew exactly their gender when they were born. So undermining parental authority, undermining truth. Um, the teachers unions have been pushing this for decades at the state and national levels. And teachers like me would go and push back. I have teacher friends who would, who would present medically accurate information and push back on the unions in a loving way. They've been spit upon They've been told there's a special place in hell for teachers like you just for standing up for the protection of children. These are just a few of the highlights of the reasons why myself and nine other California teachers and the Christian Educators Association International all joined together in a lawsuit to stop forced unionism because we believe our dues are being used not only to undermine our values, but to actually bring harm to the children we've been hired to serve. Yeah, and that's a that's a really interesting point, the, the coordination of it. And I, I just recently wrote a book as well. It's called Behind the Curtain, Inside the Network of Progressive Billionaires and Their Campaign to Undermine Democracy. And, I um, have your book. Oh, you do? Oh, awesome. I that's do. right. You did buy it, didn't you? That's right. Thank you. Um, one of these days we'll get together and I'll sign it for you. And now I'll have great. your book too. So. Great. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, you're absolutely right. All of this stuff is coordinated. They're, they're all pushing the same agenda. They're all marching in the same direction. And it's really frightening how much money is behind it, how much coordination there is, and, and how it, it, none of it makes any sense, which is why it wouldn't pass if they were put up to a vote of regular voters. Well, that's right. It, and, and here's the thing that teachers don't 
don't realize. When I go out and speak to you know groups of whoever wants to listen and learn the truth, I show them actual documentation from teacher union um, from their national meetings, mm-hmm. uh, meetings at which they are spending all teachers' money. Okay, this yeah. isn't considered political, and where they're passing resolutions and new business items. And one of the items I show that they passed in 2017 is that NEA, National Education Association, is working in partnership with the Southern Poverty Law Center, ACLU, um, Gelson, Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, the NAACP, and the Human Rights Campaign. And they're, they're working together to, quote, eradicate hate. Right. And they have all these buzzwords in there, homophobia, transphobia, unconscious bias. They are behind telling teachers like me, look, you can't help yourself. You're a bigot because you have light skin. You're a bigot. And it's your fault that any of these children of color would disobey. So we're not going to discipline these children anymore. We're not going to suspend them if they punch somebody in the face. We're just going to have them write a little note of apology. And it's all your fault, by the way, because you're white. And they are doing this in our schools. They are destroying our schools. Our classrooms are becoming war zones. Teachers are totally worn out and demoralized. I have friends who literally have PTSD from working in a public school. Our safe place of learning has become a war zone and kids aren't learning anymore. And it's 100% the fault of teachers unions working in uh, partnership with these organizations. Yeah, these far left organizations that are pushing a really radical agenda. You know, uh, there was just a, uh, I'm up here in Portland, Oregon, and there was just a TV series, a news uh, documentary series that uh, showed all of, the, you know, it's classrooms in crisis, and it shows uh-huh. uh, all of the abuse that's going on, and that's that uh, Obama era rule of, about social right. justice and uh, um, restorative justice. That's the right. term that they use. And it's, uh, based on the idea that disenfranchised groups don't view justice the same way. And, and, uh, I was always taught that the Constitution protected the, the equal application under the law, which is why social justice is such a dangerous movement. Oh, yeah, it's really dangerous. And it's 100% being pushed by the teachers' unions. That's how it's gotten into all of our schools. So mm-hmm. the, the teachers' unions, um, the first president they supported was Jimmy Carter. And his you know, thank you gift was opening up the National Department of Education. Right. And ever since then, the teachers' unions have been able to get their, their tentacles into everything at every level. They have corrupted the, the PTA by bullying the PTA. There's a whole chapter on this in my, in my book. They bullied the PTA into a stance of neutrality. So even the PTA isn't sticking up for the kids. They're sticking up for the teachers union. So they have corrupted school boards. They've corrupted our legislature and they are literally pushing these policies into our schools. That Obama era policy you, uh, you mentioned is supported by the teachers unions. Teachers yeah. don't know that. They sit in the teachers lounge and they complain about all this stuff. Who are the they out there that are doing all these bad things to <laughs> teachers and they don't realize it's their own union. Right. And uh, that gives us a good opportunity to plug the book once more. It's Standing Up to Goliath, uh, Battling State and National Teachers Unions for the Heart and Soul of Our Kids and Country by Rebecca Friedrichs. So uh, let's let's uh, transition now. You have a new organization for kids and country. It's for kidsandcountry.org. Uh, tell me about what you're doing with that. Well, when I was writing the book, uh, the whole reason I wrote 
for uh, um, standing up to Goliath is because God just laid it on my heart that the only way to really expose what's going on is personal testimonies. There's something about personal testimonies when people come out and say, look, this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like that gal, who this, this new movie, Unplanned, this gal oh, yeah, is talking yeah. about, she saw it. Okay, so, yeah. so my book is full of about 50 different testimonies of teachers across the country who have been fighting the unions for decades and been, they've been beat up over it. They've been called all sorts of names and booed off the stage and you just can't believe it, what we've gone through and, and children and parents as well. So as I'm writing that, and I'm thinking, okay, if I can get this book out there and people read it and they realize there's a problem and, and they go, I need to do something about this. I needed to find a way to get them connected. So you know how people are. They get busy doing the laundry and now they're upset one day and then they forget and then they don't do anything about it. Right. So we developed for kids and country as a nonprofit to help people to get involved, to connect them. Um, our website is, the hope is, is that it's a one-stop shop for teachers or parents who are upset about what's going on and they can go to our website and they can get the information they need. We lead them to other websites, to other organizations that can help them with different things where we can't, you know, give them that help. We, for example, the sex ed, we have on our site, we work together with another organization, Pacific Justice Institute, and they developed a letter that parents and grandparents can use to opt out, to help opt out of some of this sex ed. And yeah. so that's on our website. We lead them to that. So that's our hope is to, is to connect people. Um, our goal is to, um, is to connect uh, parents and teachers and faith leaders and community members again, because the unions have driven a wedge and they've divided everyone. Everyone's mad at each other, blaming each other. We need to point the finger at the unions and their buddies, and we all need to come back together again. So that's our goal. Bring them all back together so we can restore our schools, our culture, and the teaching profession. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's a really important point because especially here, I don't, I don't know where California ranks for graduation rates, but in Oregon, it's 49th. So uh, we're getting worse, and we have people, I just got into a debate last night in a, a local group on Facebook, just as local, you know, somebody was asking about um, uh, different schools in the area, and I happen to be on the board of directors for a charter school that my daughter goes to, and, you know, it was the same stuff. It was, you know, the, you steal yeah. money from the public school and public schools are failing because of, you know, you stealing money and all this stuff. And it was, it was just bizarre because we've already, yeah. we, you have to keep, it's, it's playing whack-a-mole. You can't have to keep yeah. beating that argument back over and over again. They just right. never stop. Well, I, I love what you say about whack-a-mole. So in the old days, before the teachers unions showed up and, and really destroyed our, our schools, we used to teach great literature. And one of the the writers that we would learn was Henry David Thoreau. Mm -hmm. And Thoreau has a quote, it's one of my favorite quotes, and that is, there are thousands hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. Well, what you're talking about, this whack-a-mole thing, (laughs) we're constantly striking at these branches. Mm -hmm. Who is causing the teachers and their friends on the far left? So that's the root. we got to get to that root. So my goal and, and the goal of For Kids and Country is to educate teachers that, look, you are funding the very organization that's causing all these branch problems that you're fighting and you're upset about. So yeah. rather than you keep fighting, 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 let's deal with the root. Stop funding the union. Um, one of the biggest goals of For Kids and Country is we have um, a, a program, if you will, called Adopt-A-Teacher. 
And I ask everybody, look, everybody knows a teacher or more. Some of you have them in your family. I'm sorry for you if you have to put up with people like me in your family. But <laughs> adopt every teacher you know, particularly those that are in your, your church or your synagogue, your community. Adopt them. I ask them, give them a copy of my book or share your copy of Standing Up to Goliath and have them read it. Because I will guarantee you, once teachers read that book and find out how the unions are abusing kids and teachers and that it's the unions that are the root of every problem that, that they've been complaining about for decades. Teachers will start leaving unions. They don't know. They have no idea. They think the unions are their savior. They believe those lies you were just talking about, how they yeah. lie about money being stolen from public. Teachers believe those lies. So we have to expose them for what it really is, greedy unions who want money and power for themselves. That's the reason our schools are failing. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Uh, the NEA president in, what, 2007 or whatever it was, it, there's a video that's gone around uh, at a banquet they had, and, and he said it's not about the kids. It's about the political power. So, you know, that's... Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's you, in my book. That, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was the... the that was the general counsel of, uh, of the National Education Association. Yep. It's yep. shocking. It's yeah. shocking. They, they do not care about the children. They tell you they care about the children, and they tell you they care about the teachers. That's a lie. And if you read my book, you'll, you'll discover through many, many testimonies why it's a lie. Because they claim to have this whole anti-bullying campaign, but they bully teachers constantly. That's right. how they keep us trapped, by yep. bullying us, by calling us names, by using us to fund a political agenda and then lying to us about it. So it's time to expose that and it's time to help good and loving teachers to find out the truth so they can escape from this tyranny, uh, which is why we brought our lawsuit, because we, were all, we all had to pay them. We were yeah. mandated to pay them or we lost our jobs. So our case, the, the whole reason we brought our case was to make it illegal for the unions to take our money without our permission. So we were, our goal was to stop forced unionism, and we have stopped it at this point. Outstanding. Yeah, so that's right. I was just going to transition. So your your case stalled uh, for uh, very unfortunate reasons, um, but then the Janus decision was just handed down uh, here recently. So we're, we're at a, a point now where you cannot force unionization. What's, what's the current status of the teachers' unions, and how are they fighting back? Because I, I've seen that, they, you know, here in Oregon, they have a couple of state bills uh, in the legislature yep. to fund them out of the general fund. You know? yep. Well, so I hope I just wrote an editorial on this that was printed this Sunday in the Orange County Register and all their sister papers in uh, Southern California News Group. So if you don't mind sharing that, Jeff, that would be great. It's on my Absolutely. Facebook page. It's on um, the Facebook page, on my Rebecca Facebook Friedrichs page. for Kids and Country. Yep. And it's so here's what I wrote about. The union fixes and workarounds that they've been employing ever since my case started its way through the court. They started working on the Friedrichs fix. Well, what they've done is they have employed and passed multiple fixes through multiple state legislatures. If it's a blue state, if it's a, a state run by Democrats who quite sadly, Democrat party, come on. Why are you letting the teachers unions control you? Every state that's blue, the teachers unions controlling it. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers unions have been able to pass these new laws with all sorts of fixes that are 
denying teachers and other employees our right to actually leave these unions now that we have the choice to leave them. So let me explain to your listeners. After my case hit a deadlock because of Justice Scalia's death, I should say our case, it wasn't just me, another case came through the court. Uh, Once President Trump won and we were able to get another justice on the court, um, Mark Janice's case moved forward, Janice versus AFSCME. Mark's case was almost identical to our case. His case sought to free people from paying forced union fees. His case won on my birthday. <laughs> really nice. Since we lost nice on my bow birthday. On everything, yes, right? <laughs> very nice. And um, so as of June 27, 2018, all public sector employees, all government workers are free to pay unions nothing. The problem is we're not free to use them. I mean, leave them. We still don't have freedom of association. We're still stuck with them. If, if oh, so it was a, just about the dues. Right. It's just about the fees. So if you're, if you're in a union, you are forced to be represented by them. And they claim, oh, we have to represent them. They should have to pay us the money. I never asked them to represent me. I don't want their representation. It's not representation. It's abuse. So a lot of us now have, have stopped paying them but they're still representing us and they're still bullying. So teachers there, I know so many teachers who want to stop paying, but they're too afraid to stop paying. And also teachers like their local association, their teacher friends standing together because the unions have so corrupted our schools, they're afraid not to stand together. Problem is, if you're in your local, you have to be in the state, you have to be in the national. So you're still paying all this money to the unions. So the unions have created all these fixes to keep us trapped. Here in California, a new law, a new teacher lawsuit was just filed about two weeks ago called Mendez versus California Teachers Association. It's five teachers who tried to stop paying the fees and the union won't let them out. You know wow. how? You know how they pulled that off? During, during my case and during the Janice case, the unions were passing out all these uh, new union cards and they convinced teachers and other employees, hey, you have to sign this card or, or you know, you're going to lose your benefits. And they never pointed out that you're freedom gonna was coming. You're going to lose your benefits? Yeah. You're wow. going yeah, to have all these problems. If you don't sign this card, you know, they tell you all these lies. Mm-hmm. So they get these people to sign these cards. They never told them freedom is around the corner. There's a case about to win. And they never pointed out the fine print that said, if you sign this, you have to pay irrevocable dues for the rest of your career. So you have all these teachers who are trying to get out of the unions, but they signed those cards. Wow. How is that even legal? It's not legal. (laughs) This is what they do. Most everything the teachers unions do really, in my opinion, it's it, they're not it's not legal they're doing stuff that's um it's the letter of the law mm. it's never the spirit of the law they're very very legalistic and judgmental and they're going to make sure that they keep you trapped so these yeah. teachers are trapped yeah and and you, you go back to the beginning of our conversation and you talk about the first amendment i mean it, it really is a first amendment violation to uh, force association that you don't want Exactly, exactly. And so it should be unconstitutional. These laws should be struck down, but exactly. it's California. It, well, and it's the nation. I, I mean, it, the, the teachers' unions, unfortunately, have a lot of power, and other pu- public sector unions have a lot of power throughout the nation. Thank God mm-hmm. President Trump is pushing back on all this stuff. Yeah. A- yeah. And, and who, who are the ones that are leading the hashtag not my president? 
the teachers unions. Who's yeah. leading all these angry marches and rallies against him? It's the teachers unions. Certainly a lot. Well, it's not just the teachers unions. I go into it in my book. I mean, there's, it's everybody. There's yeah. 230 different foundations with yeah. hundreds of billions of dollars of grants that they put out to these yeah. protest groups. So it's That's all right. interconnected and the unions are That's all right. connected. The, the, that's right. The part of the union, though, you got to think about this. All that money's coming in. All those organizations are part of the protest. But the teachers' unions and their friends, the other government unions, are experts at organizing people. Sure. They're and the they also can, they can pay their people to protest. Oh, yeah. They bring, they bring homeless people out. Oh, we'll, sure. pay you. we'll give you lunch and 50 bucks. Come out and protest. And mm-hmm. they, this is unconscionable that in a free republic, we have unions using taxpayer monies because my paycheck comes from the taxpayer so right. if my dues go to a union that's taxpayer monies taxpayer monies to shake down the taxpayer oh, with yeah. these angry rallies and, and, it's, and it's, it's more incestuous even than that because uh, the foundations get government grants and then they right. uh, use that money to do the same stuff you that's know right. so it's crazy that's right. exactly and and, and it's got to be stopped so yeah. this is why you know you have this small group of teachers and other public sector employees who are standing up. That's why we call it standing up to Goliath because there's what you just described. It's Goliath. It's impossible. (laughs) But we believe that truth is going to win the day. Well, uh, that's a that's a great way to wrap up. I think we're uh, just about to the end of our uh, free segment, our first half hour here. And um, uh, real quick, my last question for you is: I, I wonder what you uh, envision as the solution. Is this a, a legal fight? Is this a, uh, a changing the laws fight? Or uh, what, how how do we uh, beat back this monster? We have to beat it back from every angle. So yes legal and there are a lot of lawsuits out there right now since janice came down a whole bunch of lawsuits piled on uh you know people wanting back dues people wanting freedom because they still can't get it people wanting freedom from the association all of that so with a lot of a lot more lawsuits to go um we also need to fight this from i think the grassroots is the most important part teachers parents faith leaders because Unfortunately, we have a lot of Americans voting against their own values because they're believing the lies that are being told them by these very powerful unions who have a lot of money and who really own the media. Mm -hmm. Um, Shame on, shame on a lot of the media for just printing this stuff or putting this stuff out there and believing these lies or being part of spreading these lies because uh, little children are being damaged media, little children. Yep. And parents, parents are losing their authority. Um, I have trouble sleeping lately because I see the signs of our free republic dissolving, um, thanks to these government unions and their friends. And it's time we we all stand up. I think the key is the church, pastors. We need to wake up. Pastors need to stop being so afraid. Stop, you know, being politically correct. They need to speak up, and they need to, uh, you know, talk about truth. And teachers leaving and other public sector employees leaving the union. You now have the right to pay them nothing. Who cares if they bully you? Who cares if they call you names? They've done that to me for 30 years. You can survive it. Leave them, pay them nothing. That's how we stop this. So that's a really interesting point with the the churches and the pastors because so many of them are so intimidated by losing their tax-exempt status or or being attacked by the left, so they, they don't actually say anything uh but really if you're if you're a shepherd and you have a flock 
there are times when you have to stand up, you have to fight on behalf of your flock, and you're you're doing them a disservice if you don't. Exactly, and and I would just like to, I would just like to quote one Bible verse to my pastor friends out there. I, I mean, I just adore pastors. They are so important to this free republic. Do you know pastors, during the Revolutionary War, pastors would preach. They would take off their robe or whatever they wore to preach, and then they'd go fight. (laughs) Pastors, they did that in Civil War, too. Pastors have been a big part of this free republic. This free republic is built on the Bible, Judeo-Christian values, the Old and New Testament. That is what this countries built upon our laws everything so um pastors are key i'd just like to say one thing to my pastors and, and i don't mean this in a in a hurtful way i, I mean it in a all in love yeah, let, let's encourage because, people to stand up right yes yes yeah. and it's because you brought up their ta- tax exempt status mm-hmm. the, the bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and so what's happened in this country is we have all these these organizations that love money more than children, love money more than, more than giving a good education, love money more than treating people right. So we don't want the church to get involved in that. I understand the importance of the tax-free, but if being tax-free is going to cause you to sit down and shut up and not teach the truth of what's in Scripture, th- I think that's evil. We need to teach the truth. It is insidious. It's a cancer. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about money, and we can't let that happen to the church. The church needs to speak out. We have all the power in the world. Our God owns the cattle on the hill, all the hills, right? <laughs> why are we afraid, and why are we so worried about money? We need to stand up together and do what's right, not do what's, you know, going to be good for the pocketbook. Or, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Rebecca Friedrichs, thanks so much for being with me on our uh, behind the scenes podcast with Jeff Reynolds. This is the book, uh, Standing Up to Goliath. Go buy it. It's a very compelling read. We're going to wrap up our free segment here, and we've got a few more minutes coming up for our subscribers only on Patreon. So we're going to, uh, I, I want to discuss some of the testimony that you put in your book and, and uh, uh, some of the personal stories because some of them are really compelling. So I think uh, that would be, make a good bonus segment uh, for our subscribers. Sure, thanks. So thanks a lot, Rebecca. Okay. Make sure you check out the bonus segment with Rebecca Friedrichs, available exclusively for our Patreon patrons. She goes into greater depth about how her union bullied her at every turn, what their true motivations are, and what she's doing now to help teachers all over the country fight back. Subscribers get access to this kind of exclusive material and many other features. Check it out at patreon.com slash behind the curtain with Jeff Reynolds. If you like this podcast, the best way you can support it is by leaving a rating and subscribing. And don't forget to buy my book, Behind the Curtain, Inside the Network of Progressive Billionaires and Their Campaign to Undermine Democracy. Now it's on to the Oregon Story of the Week with Aaron Wyth of the Freedom Foundation of Oregon. Welcome into the Behind the Curtain podcast with Jeff Reynolds. My guest this week for the Oregon segment is Aaron Wyth, who is the Oregon director of the Freedom Foundation. He's tracking all of the insane pro, uh, pro-union pro bills that are going through Salem and everything else that's going on to uh, undermine freedom in, in Oregon. So, Aaron, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, let's get right into it. Uh, wh- what is the worst bill that you're tracking right now? 
<laughs> oh, the worst bill. Where do you start with the government union bills? <laughs> our, our one would be House Bill 2016. Uh, we call it the union wish list. And it's a bill uh, that the unions have introduced to try and do a couple of things, uh, but primarily to circumvent Janus uh, and to make up for their losses since not only the Janus decision, but since uh, our outreach efforts have been able to remove a lot of their union members successfully. Uh, I'll be happy to talk to you about it more, but I'll warn you, Jeff, it's, it's 10 things that this uh, bill does to change state law. It's a, it's a long list of things. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's uh, let the listeners know, because I think a lot of people, there's just so much going on in Salem that they don't even realize what's going on or they can't, they can't digest it all, you know? Sure, yeah. So I'll go through the 10 points and feel free to just jump in and stop if you've got any questions. Uh, okay. But it's important for listeners to know that this bill, this is all one bill. This is not 10 separate bills. Uh, this is one bill that our legislators are voting on. Um, and so the first thing that it does is it requires public employers to pay union shop stewards for their time uh, doing union activities in the workplace. So previously, the law of the land is that unions pay for this time um, because it should be on their dime, not the taxpayers. They're not working for the taxpayer. They're working for the union. Um, what this will mean is that the taxpayer will be funding union activity uh, directly, which is also political activity, uh, because Janus, when, they, when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Janus, they ruled that everything a government union does is inherently political. And then the second thing it does here is it allows the unions to provide, uh, to uh, determine what is reasonable contact in union-related workplace meetings, meaning that they can say that anybody that wants to talk about their Janus rights, um, that is not reasonable contact in, in those meetings. It requires wow. the state... They, they yeah, actually it, control speech about their rights under Janus. Yeah, I mean, the unions can say whatever is reasonable conduct in any of their meetings at this point, um, and a lot of those meetings are on state time. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> okay, uh, what else is in there? It requires the state to turn over pu public employee information to the union, uh, which would mean... Every 15 days, they have to turn over information about public employees. They have to turn over their names, their home addresses, their cell phone numbers, their personal email addresses, so that the union can get, this, get these pieces of information for the purposes of messaging to them. And then on the other side of the public records, what it would also do, it, was, it would make it an unfair labor practice for any public employer to hand over that same information to somebody like me or you, um, and also, if we were to send emails using the public employee email server, which we have done many times, um, to discourage union membership, the union could actually file an unfair labor practice against uh, the state as well. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they're trying to continue their monopoly on information. That's amazing. It, it, it's unbelievable how brazen this is. Oh, yeah. It's, there's no justification for this outside of this helps unions and the legislature. Um, they want to help unions as much as they can. Right, because that's their mother's milk is where all their funding comes from. Yeah, you know that too well. I mean, that's where that's union, government unions in Oregon are the number one contributor. Uh, it's politicians in this state, and over 66% of the um, legislators in the capital uh, have their campaigns uh, contributed for by unions. 
Right, right. And so there's there's more in this bill because that's all all of that sounds unconstitutional so far. Yep, I can keep going. Yeah, please. It, allow, <laughs> it allows public employees who are not represented by a union to pay union dues so they can authorize their employer to pay the union if they want. Uh, I don't know who would be doing that, but it's something that they want to legalize. It allows unions to authorize dues deductions via phone conversations. And uh, we've seen this used in the past in Washington State, where we've had pros- uh, where we've had uh, union shop stewards admit that they've spliced these calls together um, oh so that God. people so that people <laughs> would sign up for the union. Wow. <laughs> we we had a union shop steward in deposition admit that when he called somebody, he would call them if they opted out. He'd call them and say, "Do you want to be a member of the union?" And they would say, "No." And then. They were, and then he would ask them, do you want me to stop calling you? And then they'd say yes. And they'd splice the call together so it would make them sign up for union membership. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no limits that these guys have. Yeah, I mean, this is just mob politics. Yeah, it is. It's, it's all in an effort to take money from your everyday public employee. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so um, uh, my national guest this week is Rebecca Friedrich. So you guys have hosted her actually as a speaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. And uh, yeah, the, 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 um, the reaction to Janice has been unbelievable uh, nationally and locally uh, to, to try to stave off their own. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're fighting for their survival, right? The unions, the public unions. Yeah, the bottom line is, Jeff, in states that we operate in, so Washington, Oregon, and Rebecca's state of California, we're running operations down there to tell public employees that they can leave their union. And what we've found is when these public employees know that they can leave and they have a way, that they're shown a way to do that, then they opt out in waves. SEIU, the state's largest union, they've lost 26% of their membership since Janus, uh, thanks to our outreach efforts. The OSEA have averaged a 31% loss across all of their bargaining units. I mean, the losses are astronomical, and that's why unions, especially in our states, are introducing this type of legislation. Uh, they're attacking us with lawsuits. Uh, they, ha- they resort to personal attacks often. I mean, there's no limits to what these people will do to try and keep their power. Yeah, and talk about that a little bit. What kind of personal attacks have you faced? Yeah, I've faced... Uh, a lot of personal attacks. A lot of it's uh, what I call keyboard warriors, where they'll make websites and um, you know do all that type of stuff. But they've gone to other lengths. They've published my face, my picture, and my name and my home address on a pro-union website to encourage people to come to my house. Wow. Um, they've sent they've sent mailers to my neighbors telling them that I'm a racist and uh, anti-LGBT, whatever other labels they want to put on me, and they've done that to me other executive staff and our board of directors. It's all, a, it's all an act of intimidation from them. That's amazing. So, um, have you, uh, so far you haven't had to face anything, uh, any real, th- I mean, that's obviously it's harassment, but I mean, have you, have you faced any physical threats or anything like that? Yeah, I get messages all the time of physical threats and that but the thing is with that Jeff is you've got to remember that unions are not doing this to people that are ineffective. That is to say, um if we weren't um causing them losses and we weren't being successful in what we're doing, we what we're doing, we wouldn't face these types of attacks. Um right. so whenever I get attacked like that, I see it as a sign of success. 
Sure, but that's still got to be pretty uncomfortable to have all your information out there and have your neighbors targeted and all that kind of stuff. You know, with that stuff, it actually, it's, it was, with the mailer specifically, it gave me an opportunity to go and speak to my neighbors about what I do. And one of our neighbors is now a donor to us. So um, <laughs> I, I can, I can, um, I can appreciate it in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I have to imagine that this uh, House Bill 2016 is, I mean, it's so egregious and it's so over the top and it's such a, an, an unconstitutional overreach that it's got to, they, they got to know it's going to be defeated on lawsuit, right? You'd think so. Of the 10 points um, that I can continue to go through, yeah. uh, I spoke with our attorneys last week and we believe that at least eight of those points um, can be challenged and successfully challenged uh, right. in court. But that, that that takes money and it takes time and it, uh, people are inconvenienced uh, in the meantime. They still have to pay all these fees and and be forced back into the union despite their Janus rights. Yeah, so we don't think that this bill would actually prevent people from... I mean, it would make it more difficult for people to leave the union, and it would certainly leave the door open for them to be able to trick people into signing up for the union. Um, but it would not do what you're imagining in signing everybody back up for union membership. We have litigation out there that um, is existing to free workers, which will be unaffected by this lawsuit... Uh, sorry, by this le uh, legislation... Um, and like I, and as you mentioned, it takes time and money to sue over this type, these types of legislation. Uh, but that's what we exist to do, and I'm happy to be a group that will do that. And I vowed not only to the legislature but to our, to the governor that as soon as this gets signed into law, that we'll be in litigation on that day. <laughs> I, I I would hope you'd be on the uh, steps of Mahoney Hall, uh, uh, ready with a lawsuit <laughs> to file. Yeah, we're ready for this. That's this is what we exist to do. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, uh, what else are you tracking? Uh, well, yeah, let's let's go through the rest of uh, House Bill 2016 first. What other things does it do? So, I mentioned that it permits unions to authorize dues deductions via the telephone, but it also allows the union to decide how somebody can cancel their dues deductions. And in this bill, the way that it's written is it basically says that uh, they could resort to having somebody hand deliver an opt-out form to union headquarters. Uh, so if you live in Pendleton and you want to opt out of SEIU, their headquarters are in Salem. And this bill could open the door for you having to hand deliver that form. <laughs> I mean, it's an ultimate power grab. Wow, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're they're just yeah, it's a power grab. That's exactly what it is. It's a power play telling state workers you belong to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, the next thing it does is it shields unions from being liable for damages when they unjustly deduct union dues from public employees. We have a lawsuit out there right now. It's a federal class action lawsuit um, because unions are taking money from people who have opted out illegally. Uh, we're representing them in a class action. And what this bill is attempting to do is prevent them from being liable for damages. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we actually think because the lawsuit has been filed um, before this piece of legislation has gone into existence and because our claims are on a their federal claims, what we have right now, we think that we can um, go past what they're trying to amend in state law. But again, it's just an attempt for them to keep money in their pocket. 
Where well, else in the private sector would it be legal for an organization to take money from somebody illegally and not be liable for those damages? Right, and be shielded by the law. That, that's, a, uh, that's completely unconstitutional. It's an e unequal application of the law. Yeah, of course it is. But they, they ultimately own the legislature, and in their eyes, they get to decide what law is. Fair enough. And they also owe, they own the uh, court system. They own the AG's office. They own the governor. I mean, so it really is just a, a, a union shop, uh, and, and they do the union bidding. Yep, yep, you're exactly right. Yeah. So uh, it, it's good that you're able to engage in federal courts because the feds have to kind of come in and rein this stuff in. Yeah, the U.S. Supreme Court is very friendly to us on this issue. Um, they understand what's going on here, and they're not beholden to the unions like a lot of these other courts are. Yeah, yeah. Even, well, I, I guess the Ninth Circuit would probably be pretty union-friendly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it like this. However judges um, get the, get appointed, they either have a campaign that's paid for uh, by government unions, or they're appointed by somebody who's had their campaigns for paid for by unions. So really in Oregon, we have um, very little hope of being successful in litigation, which is why we have to take these issues up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right, right. Okay, so uh, what else is, uh, is going on in uh, House Bill 2016? Last thing it does, it gives unions exclusive time with new hires to convince them to sign up to union membership. Every new employee has to sit for a session with a union uh, so that they can convince them to sign up for the union. Wow. They, they, have to, they compel them to listen to a union presentation. Yep, exactly right. With no opposition. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, because... <laughs> The, the state is the state's out of that conversation at that point, which is remarkable. So they only hear one side of the story. And the worst part of this is if they can convince them to sign up for union membership because of the deceptive language in their membership cards, they'll be signed up to paying dues for at least one year. Oh, really? Uh, there's, there's fine print that requires them to pay a year's worth of dues? It basically says that I agree, regardless of my union membership status, that I will pay union dues for a period of up to one year, and it gives them a 15- or 10-day window, depending on their union, to opt out. Wow. All right. So how likely is this to pass? Pretty likely, right? Yeah, it's got, a, it's got another public here. It, went, it passed through the House Committee a couple weeks ago. It passed the House floor two weeks ago, um, and it's now in a Senate committee and has a hearing this week. Okay. Oh, so uh, it's gone from House Committee to Senate Committee, but it hasn't passed either the chamber yet. Is that correct? It passed the House floor. Um, oh, okay. So okay. it's, gotcha. it's got to go for a Senate Committee, then the Senate floor, and then it will be on the governor's desk. We expect this to pass. It would be a huge failure for the unions this session if it did not pass. And when you're the biggest political player in the building, uh, we'd be shocked if this didn't get passed. Well, yeah, there's uh, super majorities in both houses of Democrats, and all of the Democrats are beholden to the union. So, yeah, it, it seems likely. Um, is there anything that's going to uh, change in the bill, or that uh, do you think the Senate's going to moderate it in any way? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, we're going to advise the Senate on um, amendments that they could make to make uh, to try and get rid of some of the stuff that's in here. But the bottom line is. Um, they could see some sense if we do threaten litigation afterwards because of how much of this bill is unconstitutional. Um, right. But as I mentioned, it would be a huge failure if the unions allowed them to do that as well. So 
Um, we're expecting it to pass as it is, and we'd be pleasantly surprised if there were amendments. So uh, it almost seems to me, uh, and this is a little bit of the making of the sausage kind of stuff, but um, it almost seems to me like it would be um, in your interest to let this thing pass and see how horrible everything is and, and just sue the hell out of them, sue them into oblivion. Yeah, let it burn. I I thought about that a couple of times, but the bottom line is we want to fight this as much as we can, and uh, the first way to do that is through legislation and um, see if we can actually talk any sense into these people um, and see see where they're out of it. But ultimately, we expect it to pass as it is. Yeah. Okay. So then you're going to be ready with the lawsuits all uh, lined up, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's what we have to do. We have nine attorneys on the West Coast, and we're in over 50 active lawsuits of government unions. This is what we exist to do, and in Oregon, no exception. Yeah, talk a little bit about uh, what Freedom Foundation does. I've been uh, familiar with you guys for quite a while and um, uh, all your work in Washington and Oregon. So uh, talk about uh, what you guys do, where we can find information. Yeah, so our mission statement is to advance individual liberty, free enterprise, and limited accountable government. We don't believe that any of those things can be achieved without removing the influence of government unions from politics. So what we exist to do is we exist to fight government unions. One of the ways that we do that is we run a campaign um, to inform all public employees that they can leave their union, keep their dues in their pocket, and not have it go to the union's political agenda. And the other side to the coin of what we do is we have, like I said, nine attorneys dedicated to suing unions and keeping them accountable. No other group has been able to, uh, to do this um, exclusively in Washington, Oregon, and California, um, and that's what we exist to do. And talk a little bit about uh, the abuses of the unions. Why, why, are, why are public unions so bad? What do you, what do you have against them? Yeah, I mean, it's a bold move to, to fight um, uh, an organization, but what unions do is they take public employees' money uh, in the form of union dues, and they cooked up a scheme about 30, 40 years ago uh, to use that money to expand the size of government. So they use these people's money to fund politicians' campaigns, and once elected, they agree to go into office, raise taxes on the private sector, um, businesses and individuals for the purposes of growing government. And then they're able to expand the size of government and therefore take union dues from more people. And this has right. been a cycle that's been ongoing for 30, 40 years in Oregon. So it's, it's really a scheme to create more public employees so that the unions can expand their power base. Yeah, and it's simple, right? It's the goal of any organization to increase revenue. I mean, you go to any business owner, that's what they'll tell you that they exist to do. The problem with government unions is the way that they take money is from uh, taxpayer dollars. Yeah, I mean, even uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt thought that that was a conflict of interest, right? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, that's why Janus came out the way it did. When you're in the business of um, negotiating with taxpayer dollars uh, for public employees' benefits, and also you're electing the people that uh, decide how, many ta how much taxpayer dollars are going into that, of course it's a conflict of interest. Yeah. So uh, talk real quick about Janice, uh, just for the listeners. Uh, what, uh, talk about what that case involved and uh, who, who got sued and what was the result from the Supreme Court. Mark Janice was a state worker from the state of Illinois, and he sued his union um, 
over he was having union dues deducted from his paycheck even though he was not a member of the union previously the law of the land was that every public employee had to pay union dues unless they were in management or had some other type of exemption so mark janice brought the lawsuit um, out of illinois to his union AFSME, um, and this lawsuit got kicked all the way to the u.s supreme court and uh, represented by national right to work and the U.S. Supreme Court decided that you cannot be forced, it's a, it's a free speech issue, you cannot be forced to financially support an organization um, that you disagree with. Right, it's, it's not just free speech, but it's also freedom of association, right? Yeah, yeah. of extension, it's freedom of association. You can't compel somebody um, to have their dollars used in speech in this way, because their dollars are speech. Right. No, that's absolutely true, and uh, we we already decided that in Citizens United, right? Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, and the other side of the coin is, as I mentioned, everything a government union does is inherently political. So not only is, was he being forced to support an organization, but he was being, supposed to, being forced to support a political organization. Right, one that he diametrically opposed. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, in our previous segment, I talked to uh, Rebecca Friedrichs, who had a very similar case out of California, where uh, she was part of the teachers union and was being forced to pay agency fees. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's, it was agency fees uh, that and she, she talked all about the, the abuses that she faced from the unions and the, the bullying that she uh, faced. And so it, it really is. I mean, it, it, the the bottom line with union politics is if it if it was such a great idea, why does it have to be compulsory? Yeah, exactly right. People should have the freedom to choose whether they want to belong to a union or whether they don't. Uh, that should be. And if unions were so great, you recognize it exactly. Everybody would be in line to sign up for them. But that's not the service that they've been delivering for people. No, they're in line to uh, completely go the opposite direction. Every time they are faced with the right to leave the union and stop paying dues, they do it. Yeah, 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 exactly right. When we speak to somebody face-to-face and tell them that they can leave their union and show them how they can do it, 40% of them will leave their union. Wow, wow. And if they choose to stay, that's their choice, right? I mean, it should be a free choice. Oh, yeah, exactly. If somebody wants to support the union, then that's their choice. We certainly have no opposition to that. Uh, But people, uh, what we found is when they're informed about what the unions are doing and how they can get out of it, as I mentioned, they'll leave at the 40% rate. Yeah. And so you, uh, you've done those kinds of campaigns, right? You, you go around, uh, you, you've done door-to-door campaigns, you've done mailers, you've, you've emailed. Uh, so it's a, it's a large campaign you guys have run to uh, inform people of their rights. This is a nonstop campaign. We're running it all the time. Um, we, we do it in a multitude of ways. We have a group of canvases that go to the doors of these public employees and also some public employee offices to tell them that they can leave. We do mailers, emails, a social media campaign. Uh, we actually recently done a texting campaign. We do billboards, TV ads. I mean, you name it, we're doing it to tell these people that they can leave their union. Right. And, and once they're informed, they can make the choice or uh, you know, whatever choice they want to make. 
Yeah, exactly. We have people that tell, uh, obviously opt out in waves. We've helped over 15,000 people leave their unions in Oregon since Janus. Um, but there's some people, too, that say that they want to stay in the union, and we're not in the business of um, trying to convince them to do different. Uh, we just believe that they should have a free choice um, to be able to make that decision. All right. So um, what other, uh, are there any other bills in Salem that you're tracking right now that are also uh, union-related? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, there's another one, House Bill 2643. This is probably actually the worst bill. Uh, the reason I didn't bring it up first is because it hasn't grained, gained traction in the legislature yet. But what this one would do is it would redirect employee wages that were equal to union dues into a slush fund that would then go uh, from a state fund to the union directly. So what, all that to say, what it would mean is for your, if you're a public employee and you've stopped paying union dues today, you would see a pay reduction in your in your paycheck that would go, and that money would go to a separate fund that would be used to fund the union directly. So, in, in essence, they're forcing you to pay union dues even though you've opted out. Yep, exactly right. And worse than that, they're forcing the taxpayer to pay the union directly. <laughs> uh, there's no secret about what they're trying to do here, and it's a it's a way for them to circumvent Janus and try and keep. Uh, keep their monopoly on the on taxpayer dollars. You know, and, and think about it this way: if if they if you uh, remove union and then you substitute it with some 501c3 run by Tom Steyer or George Soros, do you think that'd be okay? I mean, that's, that's essentially the exactly the same thing they're doing, right? Yeah, there's no limits to it. Why not have taxpayer dollars used to fund the DNC directly? <laughs> that's as far as that's as far as this bill goes because a union is inherently political. Janice yeah. was very clear on this. Yep. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, you can't get around the the political nature of the union. That's that's everything that they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it definitely is. And House Bill twenty six forty three is one of the worst pieces of legislation I've ever seen. Um, fortunately, it has not gained traction. As I mentioned, it has not had a hearing in committee. We expect that if this bill is to pass, it's going to be during sine die. Um, and as I've mentioned previously, we're, we exist to litigate over these types of issues. Right. So 2643, if it hasn't had a hearing by now, I think that kills the bill, right? Yeah, it could do. I'd have to get more of an update. You know, we, we don't have our fight in the Capitol because if we did, uh, we'd lose every time. Uh, <laughs> our fight is definitely at the grassroots level. Um, so I'd have to, I leave it to my policy people and um, lobbyists to go and uh, deal with the bill specifically. Yeah, but you make a good point about signing die uh, towards the end of the legislature. They could take, uh, even though House Bill 2643 is dead, they could take the elements of it and uh, stuff it into a different bill as amendments. They call that a gut and stuff, and they do that all the time. And then they just yep. ram these bills through at the end, uh, uh, rush them through because uh, the, the session's about to end, and they have to get these bills passed. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw that either. I expect that if House Bill 2016 passed, um, then that would be enough for them. But again, I wouldn't be surprised at anything that government unions do at this point. Right. And there's 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 no such thing as enough for them, right? No, no, no. They want to continue <laughs> their monopoly and continue to keep their power. 
All right. Well, uh, Aaron, with thanks again for uh, joining me today. We're, uh, believe it or not, up against our uh, half an hour here. So uh, real quick, I want you to uh, uh, promote your website, your uh, social media sites. Where can people find more information on the uh, Freedom Foundation and how they can opt out of the unions? Sure, yeah. So our website is freedomfoundation.com and you can keep up to date with all of our um, all of our updates on there. We have a weekly email that goes out as well, so I'd encourage anybody to sign up for that. Uh, we have social media. Just search Freedom Foundation on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Um, and if you are a public employee listening and you want to learn more about your union rights, we have a separate website for that, and that website is optouttoday.com. Outstanding. Aaron With from the Freedom Foundation, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Episode 8 of the Behind the Curtain Podcast with Jeff Reynolds. I want to thank my buddy Brian Futch for providing me the theme song, I Am America, produced by Cass Anawadi. Join us next Wednesday for another episode of Behind the Curtain with Jeff Reynolds. Like loving your neighbor
Amazing.